0: Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth, boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am
1: Eki Tepsipornshai.
0: Well, brother... We have a, a topic near and dear to your heart and to mine as well this morning. Second one we've done on this, actually, the issue of yeah. counseling. Um, <laughs> you, you you created a little firestorm recently uh, on, on Twitter just with some biblical truths about counseling. And uh, as Twitter usually goes, people fail to read and read things that don't exist and uh, get all in a tizzy because they just check their brains at the door when they open their Twitter app. Um, so uh, it, it's a good follow-up because I think in today's world, um, and and you you can you you made a comment similar to this. We do tend to, as Western Christians, at least on the outside, um, worship the realm of psychology. Uh, yeah. At least that's what it appears to be, right? Um, and we see this all throughout the church.
1: Yeah, there was a couple of weeks ago, um, starting around November 11th, but there was a few other tweets stretching out for over the next few days uh, about um, biblical counseling and and psychology. And I have become convinced that psychology is one of our uh, many golden calves of today's era, where um, our culture has become so psychologized and people have become so, um, it's almost cultish that the way they follow it, um, that, that they will defend it to their death. Now, we did do a biblical counseling episode uh, before, and and it was really just showing how the scripture is sufficient for all of our issues. And I think in that uh, episode we did talk about things like, you know, anxiety, um, depression, fear, all the kinds of things that you will find all over scripture. Um, the, the saints of God uh, struggled with all the same issues that we struggle with uh, today, and there were always answers there. Um, now since then I, I have um, there there was one particular post where I've mentioned that I have counseled people um, who have been diagnosed with uh, with a, a variety of different conditions, uh, schizophrenia, um, at, at that time, Asperger's, but what I understand now is known as autism spectrum disorder, um, but also OCD, uh, things like that, uh, bipolar disorder. So I, I've seen a number of people with a number of diagnoses, and I've been able to effectively counsel them without needing anything outside of scripture. Now people jumped all over that and and they they um they started to read into that what I did not say and and they um did not pay attention to what I actually did say. So let's back up for a moment. Scripture is sufficient. All right we, we say that all the time. Scripture is sufficient. And we don't just believe that partially we believe that fully yeah now we have to define what we mean by sufficiency and we've done this before as well in in separate episodes when we say scripture is sufficient we're not saying there's no role for doctors you know we're not saying there's no role for actual science uh, and and scientific uh, advances what we are saying is that scripture is sufficient for everything that it addresses right Uh, but we're not applying it to things that it does not address uh we we are only applying it to what it addresses and for certain, it addresses everything that is needed spiritually for life and godliness. Um, so, so Scripture is sufficient. So we hold on to that. And if that is true, that Scripture is sufficient, then it is sufficient for all of our spiritual struggles. Would you agree with that, Nathaniel? I know you would. But do you have anything to add to that?
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. And you know, let me just say on the onset, I think that a, a great majority of people who balk at that really. Um, it, you know, either they just haven't thought through the issue or it's straw man right arguments because yeah. no one believes that the Bible's sufficient to deal with your headache. Now, take a Tylenol, man, um, yeah. you know, right. and and that's kind of the things. And often the the rebuttals and you've seen this, right, will not even go to things like, you know, dementia or Alzheimer's or uh, uh, often they'll go to things like, well, you know, uh, is the scripture sufficient for a diabetic, uh, which is yeah, silly. Right. Because obviously, now I've never heard a single person uh in any normal circles of church uh, you know, uh, propose that the Bible is sufficient to bring your diabetes down, uh, right, or to right. get rid of your headache, or to, you know, heal your broken bone. Um, now certainly we will pray and present those issues before the Lord, but um, however, what we will say is that Scripture still addresses common issues that are uh, related to physical things, and, and I'm sure we'll get into that into um, a little bit as we go. I, I want to read a, a quote from John MacArthur. I, I think it just summarizes uh, it so well. He says, the Bible is not an encyclopedia of counseling topics that list every particular counseling problem. But it does contain sufficient revelatory data to establish an effective worldview framework for the diagnosis and remedy of every soul problem. Um, And and that's what we're talking about, right? Um, Sometimes uh, the, the counseling needs are strictly spiritual in nature, and they have to do with how you view the world, how you view God, how you view man. And when you put those views together, how you respond to what you believe. Right. Um, whether it's negative, negatively, positively. And and then there are those things like, you know, the, the person who uh, gets diabetes um, or I'll just use an example of a, a, a gentleman that I knew in my youth who went on a mission trip and got a parasite in his eye and lost his eye. Wow. Went blind in wow. one eye in his dominant eye. Um, I don't remember if it was the left or right, but it was his dominant eye. And while the Bible had nothing uh, to give him in terms of the antibiotics they tried to save his eye with, what the Bible did have is how to deal with um, understanding God's sovereignty in all that and how to rightly view the affliction and to help him maintain um, his faithfulness to Christ and his joy in life and such that— you know, he didn't walk away depressed and wanting to end his life and things like that. So, the Bible in that way was even more helpful. Um, he did end up losing the eye permanently, and so he's blind in that eye for the rest of his life. And uh, oh, I think we were—he was in his early, early twenties um, when this happened. So, even with the physical things, then this is why we say the Bible sufficient to deal in some way, shape, or form with everything. We just need to understand uh, what we mean, right? Um, I think it was—I uh, think it was Horton who said, "A lot of people have a Sunday school knowledge of the Bible and a graduate school understanding of psychology, and that creates <laughs> a lot of problems, right?" Wow. Um, you know, people study the world's ways more than they study the Bible. So when you make a solidly biblical comment, the reality is uh, people just simply don't know their Bible typically, and what they do know is what the world says. And so yeah. they're, they've they've bought into the worldly knowledge uh, without even considering the truth of Scripture.
1: Yeah, and a lot of those issues that y- you were talking about, like, for instance, dialysis or just a common headache, um, yes, there are physical treatments for that. We're not going to pretend like Scripture is going to be the treatment for that, um, but with each of those situations, there is a spiritual aspect in, in terms of how you cope with that. Um, if you're going in for dialysis, that means you're suffering from diabetes, right? And if you're suffering from diabetes, um, there are going to be spiritual effects on you in terms of how you view that that issue. Um, if you're going through um, other physical... If you're going through cancer, right? Cancer, certainly we're not going to say that scripture has the answer for cancer, um, but people who are going through cancer are going to really struggle, especially if they're terminal, if they're yeah. being told that they only have a certain amount of time to live they're they're terminal, um, then there's going to be some real testing with regards to where you are spiritually. And so while I would say that, Hey, you need to go to the doctors, get checked up, find out what treatments are available and, uh, and, and. And Pick a plan, a strategy forward with your doctor um, ASAP. uh, Figure out how you're going to handle this. Talk to your family. uh, Make sure everyone's on the same page, same understanding and whatnot. But still come to me because we need to talk spiritually about how you deal with this. Because if God is sovereign, that means that he is in control of all things, including the cancer that you've received. I, I think part of the issue, too, is that there's a lot of confusion over... Um, from people with regards to god's will like some people and Mm. it's it's obviously the health wealth prosperity gospel will confuse this but i think the health wealth prosperity gospel um, really infiltrates common christianity even more than we realize not not to say that Um, the common Christian believes in the prosperity gospel, but we tend to think that God wants us to be happy and and healthy to some degree. And and so if we get an illness or a sickness, we often will ask the question, why is God putting me through this? And uh, what do I need to do to get rid of it? And and that's really kind of a a soft prosperity kind of gospel way of thinking, even if the person doesn't realize it. So that is part of the issue as well. So people think that if they have this issue, there must be a way that God can cure it. And so then when we say something like scripture is sufficient, they start to apply it with that kind of thinking when that's not what we meant at all. Um, God is completely sovereign over whatever sicknesses, whatever illnesses, whatever diseases, whatever physical handicaps, um, even mental disorders that uh, you might have. Um, and, And he will glorify his name through that. The question is, how do you cope with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're right. It's the combination of some influence of the charismatic church along with the American dream. And so you you get it from yeah. the secular side as well as having crept in from uh the charismatic doctrines. And 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 you're right. And of course, look, we understand as people, none of us want to suffer, right? We we don't tend to suffer well in the West, for sure. Um, right. you know, we live in a land of you know luxury and and that kind of thing cushy sort of life and that's been God's you know also God's blessing uh, for us for many years but we and and you know this and this is one of the issues often that require biblical counseling is how you view the world um And a lot of, you know, we talked about depression, anxiety before. It's a good one because I I think depression is one of probably the most common things people go to see a quote unquote, you know, therapist Mm -hmm. for. Um, And it's also interesting because a lot of people who uh, would kind of rail against biblical counseling, uh, they'll talk about uh, people with depression and anxiety. And what they're talking about is not someone going to a psychiatrist but going to a secular counseling counselor. right? Um, right. And so you're like, well, if you're not even talking about medication, then what I understand you, you don't know what's in your Bible, but maybe let's consider if, I I mean, really, you know, I I don't mean that as a harsh jab, but if you don't know, the Bible speaks to depression. Uh, If you don't know it speaks to depression, then you don't know your Bible because you clearly have not read the Psalms. Right, right. Uh, because it is crystal clear all throughout um, right. uh, the the Psalms, and so, but we, but to go back to what I was saying, we have this idea of, like you said to your point, we don't we don't think it's God's will for us to suffer, right? Uh, yet mm-hmm. Paul tells Timothy in Second Timothy that all who desire to live a godly life will will be persecuted, right? Yeah. Jesus says, "Blessed are you when people say all sorts of vile things about you and curse you and persecute you." Um, I mean, the scripture is filled with suffering, right, for believers. Um, yeah. and, and so a lot of times the issues just simply come from the fact that people think they aren't meant to suffer. And a secular counselor or medication isn't going to help you change that perspective. It right. might make you like a zombie, Um mm-hmm. But it, it's not going to help you understand and embrace the reality of suffering in the Christian life. And um, I, I mean, I've met, I, I think young people today, I see a lot more of, um, you know, I know a young person who went to uh, uh, the doctor because of depression and I'm familiar with the situation and it truly was a, a sin issue. And you know what, the doctor, they didn't spend a lot of time with them quite literally just said, would you like some medication? That was the appointment. They went in, spoke for a few minutes, didn't even get into the issue. Just asked if they would like antidepressants and gave it to them. I I was shocked at how minimal the conversation was and the involvement was. Um, It was just instantly, oh, you feel depressed? How about would you like to get some antidepressants? Uh, and so the person's on antidepressants now. Um, and of course, they're still dealing with their problem because the, the problem is, you know, a, a sin
1: issue. Um, but it, yeah, and, and anti, uh, sorry, did you yeah, have more? jump in there? No. Okay. Yeah. Antidepressant medication just wanted to jump in there. Uh, much of it is based upon the largely debunked theory of chemical imbalance. So sometime back yeah. in the 1950s, they, they actually did some studies of the brain and they were measuring certain chemicals that were in the brain chemicals like dopamine, for instance, and they were noticing that um, dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, these are the three dominant ones. Mm. They were noticing that in brains of people who were depressed versus people who were um, not depressed, that there were lower levels of um, some of these chemicals. And so they concluded by looking at that, that, well, if we increase these chemicals, then the depression will go away. You know, the problem with that, and this is, we have to realize that this is the nature of science. Um, There is both empirical as well as interpretation. The empirical is noticing that one brain looks one way and another brain looks another way. That that's that's data. Those are data points. Yeah. Um, but what what we don't know is what is actually the cause, right? I mean, that becomes the interpretation part. And so the idea that the chemicals are what's causing the depression, rather than realizing that the chemicals um, are really a reaction to the depression, um, that that's where the antidepressant medication went wrong. And so throughout the years, antidepressant medication um, has been largely um, has been largely engineered to help address these quote-unquote chemical imbalances to try to increase your serotonin levels, dopamines, norepinephrine, and and now they've expanded it to a multitude of of other chemicals. And in the end, what they have found is that the um, that the treatment from antidepressant medication has been no better than than a placebo, which a sugar pill, basically yeah. a, a nothing medication. So yeah, I- the, the and the danger in all this is that. You know, you you take these medications based upon unproven theories, and you're introducing substances into your body and subjecting it possibly to um, to a physical dependency uh, upon chemicals, which can happen. We we see that very often with, for instance, just alcoholism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so your your body can build uh, chemical dependency, so and leading to all kinds of other issues. So whenever you resort to medication, and and this is just look, th- this is. This is just the nature of medication. I'm not saying medication is bad. Um, there are times that we're, we're, where we feel we need it. It's very helpful to take away pains, to um, help uh, cure us of, of illnesses or whatnot. I'm not saying medications are bad. I'm just saying that there are always unknown side effects that can affect different people differently. And especially for something that doesn't actually address the cause of depression, um, this, this becomes uh, doubly dangerous in my opinion.
0: Yeah. No, and and it is true. And we know that uh, medications, people know this, right? There are um, psychotropic medications. There are medications that are used for, you know, the antidepressants that you can't even just quit cold turkey. They have to be reduced slowly over time because of the issues uh, that they can cause. Um, And lots of them, if not most of them, are habit forming. Over long periods of time. So, you know, you're pumping your body full of chemicals. And for the Christian, I I think what we would both like to see is um, first asking the question, you know, does the Bible address my issue? Maybe even we would like to see people just sit down and think about what their issue is, right, Mm -hmm. instead of the quick fix. But this is this is the country we live in. We want microwave solutions. And, And that's really, I think, what drives most people, um, they, they. I mean, we both met people like that. In reality, when you get down to it, they don't really want to deal with the issue. They just want it to go away. Um, yeah. They just want it to become, even if it just gets put so far in the background that they don't have to deal with it daily. I mean, this is why people go to the alcohol bottle, right? Um, to, to drown out their sorrows historically, which is about the same thing, in my opinion. Um, when we're talking about, non-physical issues um but let's let's talk about physical issues because I, I think it, you know the information's out there when we're talking about things like anxiety and depression um it, there's no science that proves that those are chemical issues there there yeah. is none it's all speculation yeah. and even as you've mentioned they've backpedaled on some of that and yeah. th- that's not to um That's not to say the field is terrible in in trying to understand. That's just science, right? Science is based largely upon, at the beginning, theories. Um, Mm -hmm. And theories aren't facts, right? Uh, Right. They're they're observations, they're conclusions uh, that people have come to based on what they've seen, and it changes over time. At least we used to understand that about science. But somehow when it comes to the psychiatric field, the, the 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 counseling field, it feels like a lot of Christians just believe it's a fixed, guaranteed, done deal science, right? Um, they know what the problem is, and why should I come to you, Pastor, because you're not trained? Oh, let's just answer that question. Um, well, no. you're not trained in psychiatry, so how can you help counsel anyone with depression? H- how would you answer that question?
1: Well, the, the problem is that the secular counselors are often not trained in the, um, in the topic of sin, right, and the nature of man. And that's what we're dealing with, is sin and the nature of man. Now, I'm not saying that every single struggle um, is from sin, all right? Um, I do know of cases, I've not counseled them directly, but I do know of cases of people that um, they do suffer from symptoms of depression, but they can't pinpoint, um, you know, circumstances or sinful attitudes you know, it's just something physically is causing them to to feel that. Now, when I say something physically, could that be chemical? Well, maybe, um, but that hasn't been proven. And a lot of those, uh, most of the vast majority of people that suffer from depression, uh, I can ask two simple questions uh, that that usually help me to pinpoint um, where to start addressing um, the issue spiritually. Um, one is when did that depression start, and and two, what was what happened just before that depression started? In other words, what triggered it? And in every case that I've been through, um, the person is able to answer those two questions. And so when they answer those two questions and they're able to pinpoint um, circumstances, then, then I know at that point, okay, we have a spiritual issue um, because they're not coping with circumstances correctly. And I tell you what, a person can come in and give any kind of label they want to give me, um, schizophrenia, um, you know, the autism spec- spectrum disorder, um, OCD, uh, whatever it is that they want to give me. I'm going to sit down with them, and I really want to find out um, where they have been struggling um, spiritually and um, where their own decisions have contributed to their issues. Because one of the problems that um, the psychology field has done is that it has made us forget, and especially Christians, it has made us forget that even if you're diagnosed with these disorders, guess what? You're still a sinner. You're still a sinner. You still make sinful decisions. And one of the downfalls, uh, one of the issues, the other issues of uh, this psychologized culture, is that when we start slapping labels on it, that mm-hmm. we start to excuse behavior. Right? We we start to think, oh, well, that's just a that's just a problem with um, you know. In the case uh, of this young man who uh, who identified himself as suffering from Asperger's, um, he, he would um, talk about issues that he went through and and the ways that. He would upset people and he said well i have got asperger's and so i would kind of dive into that and i would say well let's take a look at that uh, let's step through that what what exactly happened there and uh, what when we started to step through it we started to identify places where he was just he was just reacting sinfully now that's not that's not a denial of his issues um that's not a denial yeah. that he has some sort of disorder going on there but as we were stepping through we were able to to discover areas where he was making conscious willing decisions that were sinful and when you confront that with the bible then the person especially if they're a believer has no choice but say you know what you're right i made sinful decisions and i can repent of that now that's not to say that the person doesn't need to take any kind of medication for whatever disorder they're going through right that's not to say that at all but what i am saying is that everyone is a sinner and there are often spiritual issues that get disguised as psychological um psychological issues. It ends yeah. up excusing all kinds of sin. And this is also to say this because I, I had another tweet uh, a couple weeks ago in that time frame where I, I tried to explain what biblical counseling is and is not. Mm-hmm. Um, biblical counseling is not assuming every issue is a sin is is an issue of sin. Um, biblical counseling is not assuming that a person is demon-possessed because they're not doing the will of God or because they're struggling. Right. Um, biblical counseling is not simply just saying, well, just pray over that. Biblical counseling is not just giving people verses, saying, well, here's a couple of verses, go home and call me in the morning. Right Now, biblical counseling involves verses, obviously. Biblical yeah. counseling requires prayer, obviously, but it's not any one of those things by themselves. And I think some of this, too, has been uh, a reaction to the ways that the Bible has been abused. In counseling people, um, in the sense that people will automatically go to the demon possession or automatically presume sin when they can't even identify what that sin is. So biblical counseling is really walking with the person to try to understand what their struggles are, and 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 to identify those areas where they may be making decisions that are making themselves spiritually even worse. Um, And and when once we identify that, we bring the scriptures to it, and 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 it, it becomes a very simple issue at that point. Guess what? And and I know this is going to trigger a lot of people, but maybe our listeners not so much. But you know what? At that point, when you've identified the place where a person has sinned and you can confront it with the Bible, at that point, I don't care what the disorder is. I really don't. The disorder is is so irrelevant at that point. Again, not saying that they don't need to be treated for the disorder, that there is medications and all that. Here's the other thing I would point out. There are a lot of conditions that we have no diagnoses for. Right. You've heard of fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia, all that is, is um, you have pain and we don't know what's causing it. That's that's exactly what that label means. You have pain, we have no idea what's causing it. So we're just going to throw on this label fibromyalgia. Yeah. So now I, I believe that in time, um, fibromyalgia, because they don't know what's causing it, it, it's covering a wide swath of potential causes, right? And, and I believe some of those causes over time are going to be discovered uh, by medical advances, science, whatever it may be. And in the future, there's going to be treatments that are going to help people get over whatever is causing those body pains. But scripture is still sufficient. Scripture has always been sufficient. And so someone came back to me one time and said, well, what about this disorder? Are you saying that they don't need medication? And, and I said, look, scripture is sufficient just as sufficient now as it was during the days of jesus christ when when you go back to the days of the apostles jesus christ even if you want to go back to the old testament in those days they did not have nearly the medical advances that we have today now i would argue that for a lot of reasons the people there knew how to think better than we do today because we have um dummy dumbed down our minds with technology and entertainment and all that um, but but that being said, they did not have the medical advances. They didn't have the access to medicine, to, to care. You know, you you talked about taking a Tylenol for a headache. Well, what did people do in the old times? Uh, maybe they had a treatment for that. Maybe they didn't. Yeah. Guess what? Scripture is still sufficient. So even if you take away all the medical advances we have, all the access to medications we have, you know what, might your life be shorter without these medications? Sure, they might be shorter. Scripture is still sufficient. Yeah. And, and again, this is why we want to say that we're not saying scripture can cure that issue but what it can do it is sufficient to address the spiritual aspects of how you cope with that trusting in god's sovereignty and god is sovereign over all these medical advances and the and the availability availability of medicines and whatnot so what i'm saying is that with with biblical counseling we are seeking to address the spiritual issues if there are physical treatments for something great um go get them talk to your doctor but realize too that around the world there are places, third world countries, where people don't have access to that. You know, are we going to suddenly say, "Oh, well, scripture is not going to work for you"? Then, well, no, of course, scripture is still sufficient, even if they don't have access to all those treatments.
0: Yeah, uh, those are some really good points, brother. I mean, it really brings out the fact that um, it, you know, biblical counseling is and it, it's it's intentional, it's um, observative. It asks a lot of questions. It it doesn't ignore the reality that we have physical bodies, right? Um, You know, unlike secular counseling, which ignores the spiritual side, right? Biblical counseling takes the whole man into view. Now, we're not experts unless you're a doctor as well as a pastor. Uh, We're not experts on on the body and the fit, but you know, we do we do know enough and can ask enough questions to ascertain you know, whether this seems to be just spiritual in nature or there's something else going on, which is why we would often recommend people still go to a doctor and get a checkup, you know, yes. you know, find out. So depression is a good one. I don't want to go back to this. Uh, talk about the difference of something that's just spiritual or something that could have um, a, a physical um, beginning. Hypothyroidism, for instance, gives if you have hypothyroidism and, and if people are familiar with that, they'll understand this. Um, it can produce similar things to someone who claims just that they're depressed, right? Uh, similar outward signs of depression, yeah, right? And in reality, it it is something that is a physical thing that can be resolved with uh, the right kinds of medications. So that's just an example. So if someone comes in and they're depressed, we're we're not just going to say, as as you've said, well, this is a spiritual issue, you're going to ask questions, right? Um, right. and, and, and then oftentimes even to still recommend, we'll go get a checkup. Now, there are things I won't recommend going to get a checkup for, um, if, 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 if someone's clearly engaging in sinful acts and all of a sudden they're experiencing depression, uh, the same time of those kind of things, we're, we're going to deal with that from a biblical perspective. Um, but if there are any hints at all, uh, that it, it may be something else, then, by all means, go uh, get a get a checkup and then still come back, as you said, and, and list it down and talk, because even if it is physical, then we want to make sure people have the right perspective. Um, look, suicidal ideation, um, people who commit suicide, oftentimes there's nothing physically wrong with them. Right. Um, no. the, the issue is very often that they perceive themselves and the world around them in a way that's antithetical to scripture, and they need right. a renewed mind. right? That That is often the issue. It's not always. Um, well, it is always the issue, actually. You get to the point where you want to end your life. Um, there are worldview issues always there. But that in and of itself, there's no evidence that that's just a physical thing that makes you want to be suicidal. The LGBTQ movement. I mean, it's it's a good example, and it's very sad. There's a reason that um, suicide rates have skyrocketed in the LGBTQ community. Well, what mm-hmm. is that reason? It's actually a very simple reason. The reason is because that movement has set itself against God and how God has worked in nature. And so when a man convinces himself that he's not supposed to be a man, that he's really a woman, uh, of course you're going to have mental issues um but that is an issue that's a spiritual issue that's misunderstanding yourself and god it's even rebellion against god and you can't rebel against god without consequences and and unfortunately our world wants to take away sin right so we don't want to call the thing sin we don't want to uh we don't want to talk about repentance. Uh, we don't want to call it sin. We want to call it a diagnosis. We don't want to talk about repentance. We want to talk about recovery, um, that sort of thing. But in reality, scripture has the answer to those things. And and then there's hypothyroidism, right? Um, and so someone comes in and we still may have to deal with someone who just thinks because they have to take this medication now that their life is ruined and it's not as good as they have to be. Um, well, the the secular world can't address that. They can give you insulin, but they can't help you embrace God's goodness in your suffering. That they can't yeah. help. And and I think maybe let's just talk about a little bit of the history. Uh, and we've done this before, but I think it's important. Um, the 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 world and field of psychology, psychiatry, denies and rejects the existence of God and the soul and the spirit. Um that's important, don't you think, because that informs how they diagnose things, the conclusions they come to. Right. If you go back to the people who really founded our modern movements, they hated God. and and yeah. I, I mean, would you say that matters in terms of when Christians have to decide, okay, do I go to my pastor who's well-equipped, or do I go to uh, the secular counselor? Do, do you think right. it would help if they understood the kind of the where the counseling movement come from talk to Uh, you know
1: absolutely you know and i'd mentioned that science comprises of both uh, what you can observe as well as what you interpret from what you observe and and the things that you observe we should all be able to come to um to an agreement on what we're observing but the conclusions that you draw from it is going to be dependent upon your worldview and especially when it comes to matters of the soul psychology, the, the father of psychology is Sigmund Freud. He, he's the one that started it all. But if you were to be a psychology major, you would discover that there's um, at least five or six different major schools of thinking within psychology. So Sigmund Freud um, is recognized as the founder, but um, but other people, um, other psychologists have put together really their own kind of worldview models to explain the problems that people experience. And what they all share in common, if you look across the board and I, I teach this in biblical counseling, I've got a table that lists out some of these major schools and, and what their um, you, you know how they view what their worldview is uh, with regards to man and sin and things like that. And what they all share in common is that they all believe that um, the problems that man experiences um, comes from outside of the man. It comes from the environment, uh, it comes from people, it, it comes from um, whoever, uh, the culture, uh, social uh, social norms, whatever it may be, uh, but they don't recognize the inherent sinfulness uh, of mankind. That is very important, absolutely crucial, because we know that our greatest problem in this world is sin. Um, sin is what, uh, what causes us to die um, from the very beginning, that we inherited that nature from Adam and Eve. But but sin is also what leads us into greater darkness. I mean Romans chapter one, which we've mentioned multiple times, is playing out around us. Um, shows that as a result of sin, God hands them over to more sin when they continue to deny God. As as a result, and, and so we we recognize the truth that none of the major psychological schools recognize. So if they don't recognize the truth about sin, then they're not going to have solutions that involve repentance. They're not going to go to the Bible for answers or for insight. Um, They're going to assume that there are external factors. And in some cases, some of those psychological schools really just want the counselor to To be, um, it's uh, just to to be an encourager, to be like a, a motivational coach to that person, where you affirm everything that they feel, and and you don't say that there's anything wrong, there's nothing that they need to change, you know that they're okay, and and you're trying to affirm them as much as possible. And in that sense, you start to, especially Christians that start to embrace this in integrationist um, uh, approaches, uh, really they they turn Jesus Christ into kind of this. Uh, this this life coach rather than a Lord to be followed, right? Yeah. Um yeah. certainly Jesus was an example that we follow. We we recognize that. But he is first and foremost our Lord, right? He he is the sovereign one. He is the one who was perfect and and died in order to provide us with forgiveness of sins. And the expectation now is that we're going to walk in his example. And so that's that's the view that we need to have as um as biblical counselors. And so when we start to give into psychological thinking and, and consider also that. Um, Sigmund Freud came up with um, his views of psychology in the 1800s, right? So, I mean, if you start to say that we need psychology to be spiritually healthy, well, then what do you do with the first 1800 years of church history? 18, 1900 years of church history? I guess are you no saying one was that they are missing out? right exactly exactly so are you saying that they were missing out that uh, that they needed this in order to be spiritually more healthy and and there's also um in the medical field it's helpful to understand that even the medical field views a difference between psychology and psychiatry so psychology is purely theoretical um there there's no there's no measurements taken there there's nothing um objective that they that they can do to uh, a lead to figure out, hey, you've got this condition or you've got that condition. It's really all pure observation. Um, whereas psychiatry at least works with neuroscience, um, yeah. supposedly, right? But still, you you get interpretations from that that's going to be based upon often psychological worldviews. And that's, that's really the issue. So that's why psychiatry and psychology usually oftentimes go hand in hand. Um, together, though there is a there is a difference in terms of recognizing one as a science and and one as not. Um, but yeah, when we think about just the issue of depression, I mentioned that there are there are real issues of people who suffer from symptoms of depression, and there is no discernible spiritual cause of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I can't if I'm the counselor and I don't discern a spiritual trigger, a cause, a failure to cope with with um, circumstances then there very very well may be something um, physical going on. I mean, you mentioned hypothyroidism, right? So, I mean, they're, they may, there may, no, may very well be something mm-hmm. wrong physically. That's why we want them to get checkups. There may very well be the case that they don't have any answers to that, right? Yeah. Scripture is still sufficient. Now, I'm not going to say that that person um where i can't identify the spiritual cause of it i'm not going to say that that person's in sin but as they go through those dark times they can still trust in god they can still run to god they can still go to god in prayer they can still remind themselves that 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 god is good and that god has a purpose in this no matter what um and that's going to be the hope and we know that charles spurgeon if you read um his uh you know about his life he suffered often through what we would term as depression symptoms And, and but he would also be the first one to tell you that the worst thing that you could tell Charles Spurgeon the worst thing that you can tell him when he's going through a trial is that it did not come from the hands of a loving God yeah you know so th- that shows you a lot in terms of how he even counseled himself but knowing that the vast majority of people suffering from depression, um, that the people I've talked to that I could actually pinpoint, a spiritual trigger to it that they that there was a failure to cope with circumstances around them. That to me, just by itself, rebukes a, a lot of the the um, the contemporary approaches to to these kinds of um, symptoms. Because the vast majority of them, if they had gone to a psychologist, they would have received antidepressant medication, and that antidepressant medication would have done absolutely nothing for the real cause. Yeah. It's just like a lot of medication; it's just seeking to treat the symptoms. Without the cause. And if you don't know what the cause is, you are powerless to treat it.
0: Yeah, that's true. And uh, those fields are, you know, ex- experiential and experimental, especially psych- psychiatry. I mean, look, so, um, you know, for the while that I was able to, you know, work in the psychiatric unit as a psychiatric tech, um, look, I remember taking people down to the ER where they would do the uh, shock therapy. Um And, it, you know, it was interesting. So you, you're you're sending this electricity through someone's brain to, quote, reset things is how they would often rephrase that. But it's very interesting because no one really knew exactly what it does. Right. The only thing that they knew is that the result, according to some people after they'd had it, is that they feel better. But what's interesting is that I never saw, nor did I ever hear of, that actually, in the long term, ever helping anyone. But I'll tell you what it did do. It cost thousands of dollars and made the hospital a lot of money, um, is what it did do. And and so we see all these treatments. And again, you know, the number of times where we, so I, in that particular hospital, hospital you know, the psychiatric technicians were the ones who did the majority of the note-taking and observation for the client. So we would go into the room. Um, we would ask, you know, a whole range of questions and we had training and all of that. And we would make our evaluation, um, in, in our hospital, we've, audio recorded it for the psychiatrist so we we would make our notes we would go make our little tape recording and the psychiatrist would listen to that uh, i think if i remember pro- correctly they only had to spend 10 or 15 minutes by law with the patient that's all they spent with them mm-hmm. um and then they would use our notes predominantly to prescribe medication so m- the work that i did was largely the work that was used to prescribe medication. It wasn't even that, you know, I'm the one that spent 45 minutes with uh, with with the client making observations and asking questions and, and that sort of thing. And I can't tell you how many conversations were had that went sort of like this. Well, we're going to try 50 milligrams of this and uh, we'll give it about three months. And if that doesn't work, we'll reduce it Uh, If this happens, we'll reduce it to 25. If this happens, we'll try this other medication. And if that doesn't work, then we'll just see where we're at and what's available. If that doesn't frighten you, you ought to be frightened. Um, It it is just experimental. Now, I don't have a problem with that just in terms of it being a a science, right? Because they are trying to figure out what happened. But I do have a problem that they're experimenting on real people And it can have permanent effects. And, you know, those chemicals can mess your body up. Um, And oftentimes, you know, I, you know, I remember this one guy who came in, who was a lawyer and uh, he came in every year at the same time. And it was always the same problem. And he only stayed for the two weeks or three weeks that um, his insurance paid for it. And then, I mean, he's what we call a frequent flyer every year. Um, he would come in, he would stay for as long as his insurance paid, and then all of a sudden he would be better at the end of it. I mean, he was using it as a vacation. I, I mean that that's you know, uh he 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 was a well off lawyer. Um and he came, and I don't recall him ever really getting any medication, and he would come every year for that. And and so, you know, those kind of things happen, which I think people just aren't aware of. But I, I want to go back to your point about Sigmund Freud. Um, I, And I think this is important. So he also wrote about religion. So yeah. as a believer, I, I, it's good that people, you want, you need to understand what the source is, where you're getting your information. You go to the Bible, you know your source is the God of the universe who created you, who made yeah. you, who, mm-hmm. uh, who even upholds your very existence now and knows you in and out. He knew you before you were born, even the hairs on your, the number of the hairs on your head. That's what you get when you go to scripture. When you go to uh, psychology and psychiatry, because really they, they interlap in terms of their ideology, this is what you get. In the early 1900s, Freud, well, he wrote several times about religion. Just listen to what he says about religion. Freud suggests that religion and neurosis are similar products of the human mind. Neurosis, with its compulsive mm-hmm. behavior, is a, quote, individual religiosity and religion with its repetitive rituals, is a, quote, universal obsessional neurosis. Wow. When you go to the secular world, that is what you're getting. Yeah. Because the founders and everything in our modern fields, in the modern fields, was based on these guys. They hated God. They rejected the spirit, and they viewed religion as as a mental illness. Right. So that's what you're getting. Um, So, again, you know, we're not saying that there aren't genuine physical um, needs. Right. But but I think we also want to rein in the use of the term mental illness, because everything we call mental illness is not a physical need. The world views it that way, but that's because they reject the existence of your spirit, of your soul. Um, and if you reject that, then you have nothing else, but to yep. assume it's the brain or chemicals or whatever. Look, if you need more serotonin, eat some dark chocolate. Um, they, they actually, they actually <laughs> used to, I've, I've read some, uh, some journals or doctors have said that it's, it, it does contain that. So that's true. Uh, it's also healthy because it comes from beans and beans are health food. Right. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so the, but so th- that's Freud's view of religion, a really evil view um, of religion. So that's kind of
1: what you're getting. You know, let's talk about Job. Yeah, yeah, a lo- yeah. Go ahead, <clears throat> and then we'll uh, go I to just Job. One add, yeah. A, lo- a lot of these, uh, a lot of these German rationalists, and I, I say German because a lot of them did come out of Germany. But this is, and he was a um, Jew by the, the way, Sigmund Freud. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, but a lot of these rationalists out of the 1800s, um, they. They, um, they sought ways to just deny God. Um, they, they hated God and they wanted to be able to explain things through alternative means. And so when you talk about Sigmund Freud, you talk about Charles Darwin, um, Karl Marx, I mean, Karl Marx, we know, um, also raised, I believe, Jewish in a Jewish family. He was also, yeah. Um, yeah, but but uh, yeah, he he absolutely hated religion and felt it uh, that religion was like was like basically opium to the people. Yeah, um, and and uh, it needed to to be eradicated. So yeah, I think the worldviews. Not to say that you know someone who has a faulty worldview can still create great inventions, can still make great discoveries, but when it comes to the issues of the soul, be very careful. Now, man is comprised of two things: um, body and spirit, uh, physical and and spiritual. And so that's why we always say, look, we're not doctors. We don't pretend to be doctors. I'm not going to Prescribe medication i'm not going to say don't take medication or do take medication or stop taking medication or keep taking medication I don't, I don't get into any of that that's between you and your doctor yeah um but i will i will recommend going to see the doctor just to just to get a checkup let's find out if there's anything wrong have you been sleeping um how you've been eating um were you in an accident recently i mean let's let's find out all the things that are going on that could be contributing to this but always the spiritual element scripture is sufficient yeah
0: yeah and sometimes, you know, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned previously things like when you just can't figure out what's going on, fibromyalgia, yeah, yeah. or other things, right? Like, um, th- th- there's there's pains, there's some suffering, there's uh, you know this feeling of of melancholy, being depressed, um, and there's just no answer for that. Well, what if God is doing that? And God does do that. And and, yeah. and again, this is going to come back to really fly in the face of sort of where the charismatic doctrine has crept in, because we believe God always wants us to, you know, be healthy, happy and wealthy and never have any struggles. Right. Um, God has yeah. no problem with giving you struggles. In fact, God tests right. us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to grow us and, and do what's good for us. And so sometimes it. it you know, I think oftentimes going to get a, a medication, that being the instant solution, rather than coming and asking difficult questions and discovering whether it, it's a sin issue or if it's not a sin issue, sometimes if it just seems to be something God might be doing in your life, uh, if we don't ask those things, it's possible we find ourselves fighting against God himself. And, right. and I think Job is a good example. I, I love Job because Job gives us a perspective sure. that you get nowhere else in the whole Bible. Right. Um, you get a conversation uh, between God and Satan. Let me, let me just read part of this uh, for, for people to consider. Um, so it starts off, I mean, chapter 1, uh, verse 6 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord from roaming about the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? All right, let's just stop there. Walk Mm -hmm. through this a little bit. This is not Satan finding and attacking Job. This is the God of the universe, right? Having a conversation with Satan saying, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Now, there is nothing in satan other than that which seeks to still kill and destroy okay and god is now pointing him to job uh i I, i'm not going to minimize that i'm not going to try to excuse god for that this is the god of the universe doing this right all right um have you considered my servant job now why for there is no one like him on the earth a blameless and upright man fearing god and turning away from evil Not that he didn't have any sin, but this is his general character, right? Um, We do find out some sin later on, right? Then he says, uh, then Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. So why does Job have anything that he has? Even Satan recognizes this. It's a gift Mm -hmm. of God. You and I have what we have for this very same reason. It's a gift of God. So Satan's acknowledging God's work in his life. Uh, Verse 11, then Satan says, But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So Satan's challenging God right, to bring harm to Job. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power— Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't know if I want to be Job um, in my humanity, (laughs) but you know what? What an honor to be considered blameless and righteous, um, such that God is declaring that even to Satan. Right. So we know what happens next. Um, Job loses his possessions in the form of his fields and his livestock this is all done um ordained by god Mm -hmm. the evils accomplished by satan god himself does not ever do evil and job's response to all of this in verse 22 is through all of this job did not sin nor did he blame god and in fact this is where we get to that wonderful verse, uh, the Lord is given, the Lord is taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah. Um, That's the perspective Christians need to have with suffering today. Um, It may just be that God, it's always that God's ordained whatever this is in in, in your life, but it may just be that um, there is no real answer because it's God doing something in your life. And right. we don't get to know what that is. We aren't privy to these types of conversations. But what it ought to do is, if we understand God's sovereignty, we understand God's providence. These things ought to, just like Charles Spurgeon, drive us to our knees and and seek Him in the midst of that. And that's where we find our joy in the midst of suffering. Um, you know. And so, yeah, I I would love to personally see the very first thing Christians do when they feel like they're depressed or they have anxiety or um, maybe they're having erratic behavior, uh, w- what might later be called bipolar or they're manic, depressive, whatever. When you first get that feeling of, I think there's something wrong, go to, I, and I hope you're in a biblical church if you're not getting one, because if you're in a biblical church, then you can go to one of your elders, one of the pastors, um, and sit down. And that ought to be the very first place you start. Um, yeah. Uh, assuming there's not something life threatening like you're passing out right um, yeah. that should be common sense but that that type of thing aside um, go to your pastors and that should be the starting place. Uh, the Christian heart should always start with what how is this meant to draw me nearer to God? W- what's going mm-hmm. on in my life is is this a consequence of, of of sin right We all sin and we all sin in ways that we don't necessarily know. And these are often just ways that the Holy Spirit brings about our knowledge and understanding. You come talk to your pastor, you go through counseling sessions, you, you've done this with folks, and then two or three or four in, all of a sudden the light bulb comes on and they wake up to it and they think, oh, you know what, I've really had this idol in my life and actually I've been worshiping this other thing. And yep. and in that at that moment when this really grab my life is when i started experiencing x y or z and then they deal with that and and then they're able to move on well it's the holy spirit that brings about recognition of sin and repentance ultimately and of course god uses means um but it it could just be that sort of thing you know and then so i come to you ecky because you're my pastor and we sit down and we discover all this and uh we we can't seem to find any uh, overtly recognizably sinful things. And so you do just what you've said. You say, okay, well, maybe let's uh, have you you know, go to the doctor, get a checkup. Let's see if there's anything physical there and then come back and see me. And that's, that's biblical counseling. It's dealing with yes. the whole man. Um, mm-hmm. y- you can't forget one side or the other. And if you go to the world first, they're going to reject one side entirely. By the way— yeah. It is the most important side. It's the most yep. important side yes. um, because we we are eternal. We're eternal beings. We're going to live in eternity somewhere um, as a believer with Christ, as an unbeliever, as objects of the wrath of God um, in hell. And so that's the most important thing. We shouldn't ignore the things of our body, but they are temporal. Um, and, and so I think if we if we value value those things and put them in the right perspective, uh, it ought to always drive us to the Bible first rather than to the yeah. world first.
1: Yeah, amen to that. And uh, just to add on top of what you said about Job, uh, realize that Satan didn't even ask permission. God is the one that volunteered Job. Yeah, And it wasn't because, as you mentioned, it wasn't because of what Job did wrong. It's actually because of everything that he did right that uh, he ended up getting afflicted. And through all of that, um, as Job is crying out, wanting to know the answer why, God never gives him the answer why. We have the benefit of being able to read Job and and to know what the reason was just from the conversation between Satan and God. But Job did not have that luxury. He didn't know about that conversation, didn't know what was said, how it all came about. Um, God basically reminded Job that he is the creator and Job is not. And, And, you know, so going back to what we're talking about here... Um you know what? i'm I'm not I would not say I'm against medications. I'm just against medications being used for what are spiritual issues. Now, there are times, are there times where someone is feeling a lot of pain and you know, that medication may not actually um, cure the cause of it, which medications often don't. But they might help you to be able to endure the pain, or they might be able to reduce some of the pain, or they might help to, to kind of keep things stable while you're working on various spiritual issues. You know, I don't have an objection to that. You know, as long as you recognize that um, that a lot of what's being thrown around as um, as kind of mental health, as you mentioned, uh, mental health issues are really sin issues. That's not saying that every mental health issue is a sin issue. We've already given plenty of examples: um, dementia, Alzheimer's. You know, th- those are clear examples. And autism; those are clear examples of things that uh, where where there's um, disorder within the body, or there's something that is no longer functioning within the brain. We we get all that. And so, biblical counseling is not guessing at the cause. It's actually identifying. Clearly, spiritual issues as as they are actually identified by the counselee him or herself, and then bringing the Bible to it. Um, that that's really what it is, and it's not to be cold, it's not to be heartless. And I'm thankful for one of our sisters in Christ, a lady by the name of Tara. Uh, my wife and I had actually reached out to her um, uh, after seeing that she was going through some difficulties, and uh, she shared a testimony to that. That was really gracious. Um, just that that uh, that she really benefited from that time, and, and she did not feel it was unloving at all. In fact, quite the opposite. So I'm very thankful for that. But all this to say that you know there's a lot of straw men arguments being made out there. There there's a lot of um, faulty presumptions being made out there. And all this to say is that we're, we're not saying to neglect uh, medication. We're not saying to neglect doctors, quite the opposite. We're not saying to neglect science, but just realize that in the world of psychology today, they're labeling, they're, I mean, they, their default yeah. position is to come up with some sort of alternative explanation other than what it often is. I didn't say always, I said often, yeah. which is okay. sin. And And one more example, I just... I just saw this ad that, you know, as you're scrolling through Twitter, you get these ads that pop up. And I had this one ad um, that started off by saying, procrastination is not laziness. Okay. Procrastination is not, uh, it's not from a person being lazy. And then I had to laugh to myself as I saw that because, okay, uh, even if you come up with some sort of medical or or or, or psychiatric reason why a person might, uh, some people uh, might, uh, might procrastinate, let me tell you a, a truth that is undeniable. Lazy people procrastinate. All right. That's not to say that every procrastinator is a lazy person, but you yeah. know what? Lazy people procrastinate. But when the world starts making statements like procrastination is not from laziness, well, guess what? They're taking the accountability out of it. And how convenient is that when you don't, when you don't have to take responsibility for your own actions, you can make yourself into the victim. And, and now then you start to become dependent upon, um, psycho psycho, psycho, psychologized treatments or medications that quite frankly, don't do anything for you.
0: Yeah. You you know, it's interesting to get state licensed, at least in the States I've looked at, and it's just been a few, I, I suspect it's similar, uh, around the country. One of the things that you can't do, uh, as I understand it, is y- you can't provide the solution to the counselee. You can't say yeah. this is your problem, this is the solution. And you actually, to, to get your license, and uh, you know, this is easily verifiable. You can read through the paperwork. Um, you know what you have to agree to essentially is helping the person discover the solution to their problem from within themselves. That, that's what you have to agree to. Um, so you, you could not say legally, um, at, at least in several states, um, this is your problem and this is the solution, w- which means as a licensed counselor in states that are that way, um, you could not bring to bear on their life the truth of God, because that mm-hmm. is what the truth of God always does. It always says the problem is the the. The answer to your problem comes from without yourself, and here it is. This is the issue. This is the solution. It's a godly solution. It's a biblical solution when that's applicable. Um, And so you can't. So when you're going to a counselor, you know a lot. I think a lot of people believe that they're trying to help them resolve the issues, but in reality, they're legally not allowed to do that. Yeah. And, and so for the the Christian, I would just simply ask, do you believe that the answer to your life issues are within mm-hmm. yourself, or do you recognize, because you're a Christian, that really the answer to life's issues are found are, are to be found in God without yourself? It, mm-hmm. If you say, no, they're within myself, then I would ask, why are you a Christian? Why couldn't you just conquer sin and death yourself? Um, right, right. Well, you know you can't, and you know you need the salvation uh, of Christ because you know you, you didn't have the solution to that. So apply that, and, and then if you recognize that, okay, well, yeah, I don't have the solution within myself. I need an outside source of absolute truth. Then why are you putting more faith in secular counseling than in in biblical counseling? Yeah, You know, so we have to look at these things. And again, we've said over and over, um, we're, we're not saying throw your medication in the trash. Please don't do that um, because you need, if you're on medication, you need to go talk to your doctor. It's not right. safe to cold, to, to cold quit uh, some medications. Uh, and so right. w- we don't want right. you to do that. You do that with your doctor. Um, what, what we are saying is that people are over medicated. What we are saying is that um, oftentimes Christians don't want to deal with their issues and they want the microwave fix of medication. Uh, what what we are saying is that the world of psychology and psychiatry rejects uh, the spirit, the soul. I tend to use those interchangeably, yeah. but right yes. Di- yeah. dichotomistic uh, belief of man. Um, yeah. So what we are saying is because they reject those, they have to by na- they have to by definition reject absolute truth. And so why would you go to a place that rejects absolute truth? So those are the things that we are saying. I mean, in the end, we genuinely and deeply want to see people thriving in joy and life in Christ. And there's only one place you can get that. So if you are like Joni Erickson Tata, and you have a life-changing accident um, that puts you— you know, in, in a wheelchair for the rest of your life, um, totally change her life in every way imaginable. Um, but listen to her testimony of what God's done through that accident. And you won't feel sorry for her. You'll probably be envious um, yeah. of, of her life and walk with Christ. And uh, it, and and that's just kind of the perspective that we really need, that we get from from Scripture. I, I, wa- I do want to just kind of touch on chapter 2, um, I know this is a little bit longer episode, but I, I think it's good because my my suspicion, Eki, and it would be interesting to get your thoughts on this, is as our society declines further into licentiousness, into lawlessness, I, I think there's going to be an increase, even from where we are now, to excuse away anything that the Bible would claim to be sin or yeah you know, right. or wickedness. And in our society, that's going to look like an increase of an ease of access to medications. Uh, we see that even yeah. with abortion. Mm-hmm. A, a great example. Right. You can just take a pill now, um, a medication to get to, you know, you're having a, an adulterous affair and and someone gets pregnant. You know what? That's not sin. That's uh, the the woman's choice. And so yeah. here's some medication to deal with that. Uh, that. That's where we're going. So I think we're going to see an increase of that. So it's particularly important for believers to understand what biblical counseling is, what it isn't, why you should go first to your church. But chapter two of Job, uh, because we've been talking about the actual symptoms. So in chapter one, we read earlier, we're just seeing God beginning to work in Job's life. In chapter two, we we see Job losing his health. And that's what we're talking about, right? Um, And it's interesting. So you get down to, uh, let's see here, Yeah, so you get down just to verse 3 in chapter 2, you have a conversation again um, between Satan and God. Satan says, uh, and he still holds fast, uh, sorry, this is God. The Lord says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Now this is for a second time, for there's no one like him. He's blameless, upright, fearing God, turning away from evil. So Satan's answer now is skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. However, you put forth your hand now and touch his bone and flesh, he will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your power, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence and he smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Now, we are not suggesting that every sickness is this. All right. Right. That should be known, but we'll just say that. No. But in this instance, um, and and so again, we have Job being faithful here, but this is an unexplained sickness, and I would argue that in cases such as this, which we don't know, um, it you would find yourself fighting against God, right? If we treated these things much like we do today, um, and so I'm not saying we we don't treat. You know, if you get a bunch of boils all over your body, all of a sudden, please go to the hospital. Uh, we're not saying ignore those things, but we just want to give you a perspective that God is working in all of these things. So it, it, yep. not the situation, maybe not the situation like Job, but there is nothing that happens that God has not ordained uh, to happen. And again, God's not the author of evil, but he is sovereign Uh, And through his providence, he's intimately involved in every detail of all of his creation, including our lives. And so there's something to be gained um, in our faith through these things. And the only place you're going to come to the fullest revelation of what that something is, is through biblical counseling. And, you know, I I have to admit, I like the term shepherding better than I like biblical counseling, because guess what? For those people who often attack you, Eki, more more you because you post a little more about counseling than I do. But, it, you know, they'll often say things like, well, you're not trained. Well, yeah. on the contrary, the world is actually not trained mm-hmm. um, b- because the pastor is a shepherd. And what is he shepherding? He, he's shepherding the souls of people. Right. This is yeah. actually your job. You you are actually yeah. in the highest um, the the highest realm of training possible in existence for to, to deal with these issues. I mean, I mean this is one day uh, you and I will stand before God, and this is the very thing we will give an answer yep. to God for yep. shepherding His people as under shepherds. Um, and you know, the faith. If if you think about it, the the whole battle of the faith is a battle of what our, our mind. it's the renewing of the mind so if we understand that why would we go to somewhere else first for mind issues right i mean if the bible is all about renewing your mind why do you go to the world to deal with mind issues i mean that just kind of blows me away um and so you are trained right and when you get to something that's looking like oh your your blood sugar is really low uh, you're passing out. Yeah, you you need to be at the doctor yesterday, and that's what you do. Yeah. right. We, we don't we don't pretend to uh, be able to address those issues. Um, your your you're, do you have any commentary there? Because I want to read a couple uh, uh, of posts comments to your post that I think yeah, are I really I, helpful. I, really.
1: I, I I actually um I I don't see how any pastor can separate uh, the duties of shepherding from counseling. And I've had people come to me for counseling because they can't find a church that will provide it, um, which is very sad because this is the duty of the uh, of the pastor to counsel their people, which is part of just shepherding, as you mentioned. Now, also, I teach a biblical counseling class because I want people to be able to counsel one another. And this is part of discipleship. Jesus Christ says, go and make disciples. And guess what? Going to and making disciples, it's not just evangelism. It's teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, but it's life on life and showing them how the commandments of god plays out in our life on a day-by-day basis and so I, I want people to be able to counsel one another um which it can be discipleship it can be um counseling the uh, original word used to be neuthetic counseling that came from mm-hmm. the greek word nutheteo, which means to admonish or to instruct um so this is something that all believers are, are called to do and uh, yes yeah I, I agree with you I, a shepherd has to be able to counsel their flock and be able to show them how all the spiritual issues that they may be facing is addressable by scripture but yeah go on ahead with some of those testimonies
0: yeah and and i would say look i i i always hate to talk about the, the the need to find a different church but here's the reality if if you're in a church that doesn't teach the bible then certainly you need to find somewhere else but you know it it's not that your pastor needs to be acbc certified um, right but if the pastors if some pastor, some elder in your church isn't able to pastor you through life issues then you need to find a new church because that is the job um yeah. it's to reprove rebuke and exhort uh and 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 to boil that down in its most simplistic understanding is just simply to bring the truth of scripture to bear on your everyday life right. um and, and so if you're in a church where, Anytime there's any kind of issue, they're sending you to secular counselors and secular psychiatrists, you need to find a new church. Um, You're not going to find a perfect church, but you need to find a church where the elders understand that part of their shepherding role is to help people walk through life issues. Um, And so, again, they don't need to be ACBC certified. Um, That's not what we're that's not the qualification, right? (laughs) For a pastor in scripture, I think it's good um, but it's not a qualification. So, the, it, you posted these couple things, Eki, and uh, just for the sake of the people listening, I, I want you to hear from some some other perspective, some guys who have been through counseling and and what they got of it. Now, this is anecdotal. We understand that. I, I think we've given enough evidence and proof just of scripture and and theology to make our case. But here you have a, a guy who responded, and and really he's addressing the the issue of um, whether whether or not uh, you're qualified as a pastor. I mean, that's kind of the communication. Yeah. But he says this. Uh, he says, I have a master's degree in counseling and psychology. So this is someone the world would say, yes, this is the kind of person you need to listen to. Right, They're mm-hmm. the authority. Right now, we don't agree with that, but that's what they would say. So he goes on to say, um, so I have a master's degree in counseling and theology, and I told someone earlier today that the Bible really does have the solutions for all our problems and gave them some specific application examples. Um, Now, again, he's not talking about the solution to diabetes. Um, But here's someone who's a Christian. They went through secular training, the master's degree level in counseling and Mm -hmm. psychology, and they recognized that the Bible is indeed sufficient. Um, So there you go. Here's uh, just another one. He says, my stepfather was diagnosed with bipolar an extreme and an extreme addiction to gambling. When he became mm-hmm. a Christian, when he became a Christian, reading the Bible and listening to the Bible and listening to biblical sermons, he was able to overcome both by the power of God. He died a healed man, no therapy or drugs were needed. Um, one more was diagnosed himself. so diagnosed or he himself was diagnosed with severe PTSD, he says, and was one of my disqualifying mm-hmm. conditions leading to being medically retired from the military service. Back, shoulder, ankles also. After years of pills and therapy, it wasn't until I was saved and started living my life with Christ that I found relief. And those are just a handful
1: Yeah. of, of yeah. testimonies. There, there was, yeah, there was a lot of great testimonies. And uh, I, I would also commend a, a man by the name of Matthew Statler uh, Matthew Stadler, he is ACBC certified, but he is um, he he's a veteran. Um, he's been through PTSD himself, and has actually written articles on how biblical counseling helped him get through that. Mm-hmm. So, great testimony uh, there as well.
0: Yeah, and I would say, okay, so if you really want to understand the perspective of biblical counseling a little bit better, I, I want to just name a few resources that people do. So, one thing that we do. Um, in our church, when it's applicable, is anyone who would ever come onto leadership in our church, they have to go through the video series of the ACBC training. It's mm-hmm. thirty hours of just very introductory level stuff. But I would recommend any Christian doing those videos. You can go to their mm-hmm. website. you can sign up. It right. doesn't cost very much. You get thirty hours, and listen, the the guys who are teaching these things on on their their program videos, are guys who worked in the psychiatric field as as, uh, psychiatrists, some of them. Uh, There are several doctors, MDs, who are giving these training classes. And so these are guys who um, are intimately aware of the academia in these fields. They understand the medications. They understand what's taught. They understand the fields Uh, they were practicing for many years, some of them. And here they are. helping Christians understand that the Bible is wholly sufficient uh, for all to which it speaks. Um, So it's 30 hours of video. I I think you have like three months to get through it. It's a great resource. I would recommend every Christian doing that. Um, You don't have to go through the rest of the ACBC certification process, uh, but do those videos. I think it'd be incredibly helpful. The other thing that might be helpful is if you go to Amazon, uh, Master's University, has a series of um, counseling sessions that are available for yeah. purchase. Now, these are designed actually to go along with the certification process for ACBC. But they'll, but what they do is they walk you through. I don't know. Maybe it's like ten different actual counseling sessions. People who have agreed to have it recorded, and you can see the counselee and and the counselor. Um, interact with one another and how the brought the Bible was brought to bear on these issues. Really, really informative. So those are just two things that, you know, in the general public, uh, it's open to, again, you don't have to finish, you know, all of the process, but it'd give you a really good, healthy understanding and you'll get to see in practice um, some biblical counseling. Now, I think it's all ladies counseling, uh, on on the TMU thing, but that's fine you still see god's word being brought to bear on people's lives and you get to see what what you know authentic biblical counseling really is um, someone opening the bible and saying memorize john three sixteen and say that to yourself 800 times a day that's not biblical huh. counseling that's stupid right. um, is what that is and, and so that's not what we're talking about and we we understand that there's a lot of that Kind of thing, right? In, in the church, and it gets called biblical counseling. We understand that, uh, but that's not what we mean when we say it. It's not even just what the words mean. You're being counseled by the Bible. So if that's not right. happening, it's not biblical counseling, right? Memorization is not biblical counseling. It's memorization. Right. It's good, and we use it in yeah, biblical it counseling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but it in is, in and of itself is not biblical counseling. So uh, yeah, that, those
1: are all potential tools as part of biblical counseling. Um let me just add there's also a series of videos. The videos that I saw were from um Faith Lafayette um mm. Faith church in in Lafayette, Indiana. And those were excellent if you want to see examples of of men counseling uh, men, those are a uh, great uh, resources as well. a little bit older, but very effective. um the women that are counseling in TMU, I would imagine one of them is um, at least Shelby Colin, and she's a good friend mm. of mine. um so very solid uh, resource as well. yes. yeah. All right.
0: Well, guys, I hope this has been helpful to you. Uh, Our aim is just to see the believer run to Christ, run to Christ. You feel depressed, run to Christ. You feel anxious, run to Christ. Um, The the Bible is sufficient to deal with the way we think and the way we perceive ourselves, those around us, God and the world he's created. Um, And so flee to him first, go to your church, go to your pastor. um, and, And then, you know, if there's, physical needs, meet them by all means. Um, But don't make God the last resort. Run to him first. So we hope this has been helpful to you. Until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device. Or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.